cliffcentral.com. You're going to sing for us. Male. Pagi Male. Is that it? Uh? A relevant song, a relevant song for today. I like it. Fagi Mali Mali. You know we should cut. Put this the part money in, money podcast. in. I think this part of the podcast we have to cut. No, this is the best part. This is people, when we lose the people listen. People listen <laughs> Not to, to your hear singing. me. <laughs> to hear me no, sing no, for no, them. No, no, no. Fagi Mali Mali. Put the money in. That's oh what it, that's what that song God. says. I don't believe it. Put that money in. And is there? it not an apt song? It is very apt for today. Mm. It is very apt for today. I'm very excited about today's show. Very nervous actually. Really? I feel like this is our Ted Koppel moment. <laughs> with Mandela. Well, you know? this is we're you. Mandela. This is you because well, you started we're Ted this. Koppel. Because you started this. We're Ted Koppel, aren't we? You started this. <laughs> you you're a couple. Can we just say hello to everyone? Go ahead. Sanbunan Nonke, welcome to the show. It's frankly speaking, one hour of hot potato topics, speaking to you, speaking to us, in conversation, as always. And uh, today is going to be a tricky conversation, not because... Not because of our guests. Our guests are incredible. Um, not because uh, we have hard questions. I don't think we do. But I think more because I am totally conflicted about this issue. 100% conflicted. That's where I stand mm-hmm. on this issue. You had some nasty things to say about capitalism in the last show. Eh? So, so, so where do you stand exactly? Well, let's, let's talk to people about what the show is about so mm-hmm. that they, they can be interested or not interested, depending. You so know? frankly speaking... Why are people picking on capitalism so much? What is it? Is capitalism a good or bad thing? Um, you, Andrew, in past shows have indicated your disdain for capitalism <laughs> as you, as you then, careful, careful. as you then step out of careful studio and go and prop this capitalist exactly, system up. So, exactly. so, so you come in very, well, you sound sometimes very anti, but then sometimes you just, Enjoy the benefits of capitalism a bit too much. Mm, mm, mm. I, I, I go with Nelson Mandela. Okay. I'm, I'm with Nelson Mandela. So you're Mandela. Yeah. Nelson Mandela says Nelson Mandela when asked uh, just pre just before 1994 which economic system we were likely to to uh, to adopt in South Africa, he said, um, "Okay, let me let me let me read, read the question. Let me first. read the yeah. question." So so Gloria Toot. Uh, a U.S. attorney asks, what can assure me as a human being and as a concerned African-American that the ANC will indeed have a fiscal solvent policy that will continue the use of the resources of South Africa in a meaningful way? Or should I put it more succinctly, will your economy be based on the Marxist system, socialism or capitalism? Mm-hmm. Now, Nelson Mandela takes a brief pause. Uh, and then responds, I knew that was the question you wanted to ask. I'm happy that you've had the courage to put it directly. We are not concerned with labels. We are practical men and women. We do not care if whether the cat is black or white, as long as it can catch mice. We want to rectify the imbalances that exist in our economy. One of the companies in our country owns more than 75% of the shares quoted in Johannesburg. This is illustrative of how our economy is organized. The resources of the company are monopolized by a white minority. We want to develop an economy which will put an end to that, and we leave it to other people to, to put a label if they so wish. 
I think I subscribe to that. It really doesn't matter to me whether you call it socialism, capitalism. Does it catch mice? Does it ensure that um, historical imbalances, um, social imbalances along uh, racial lines are fixed? And does it ensure prosperity for all? That's me. That's you. Yeah, so I come in here very comfortably. You're very comfortable. I'm very (laughs) conflicted. I'll tell you one thing before we introduce our guest who's who's sitting waiting to to rip into my (laughs) capitalism remarks. Sure, man. If they could only see how calm this man is. (laughs) (laughs) I think uh, one thing that is important to recognize, Rory, is the idea of capitalism is – is a jaded one. Um, so we've got to be careful when defining what capitalism is um, because capitalism is not one term that means everything. It's quite a broad-based term, mm. lots of umbrellas and lots of scope between that. I think what I'm more uncomfortable with, and I don't know what the answer is because clearly it's not communism, right? We've seen that that's failed. Okay, There's been proof of that. Socialism. People, Has capitalism succeeded? Well, this is what we need to ask, right? Mm. Um, and I think this is why I'm getting to that point is to say, is the system set up for, for extreme, extreme, uh, success? I mean, I, I was reading over the weekend, not out of choice. I'll tell you that for sure. A guy by the name of Sumner and, uh, he meant he has a very Protestant view on the world talking about how, uh, so, sorry, William Graham Sumner, the challenger facts. And he talks a little bit about how, you know, if you work hard, in this system, you will succeed. And that's quite clearly bullshit. It's, mm. it's untrue. Mm. And I think on that moment of honesty, let's bring in our guest, Leon Lowe. He's the executive director and co-founder of the Free Market Foundation, a non-profit organization and the third-ranked most influential think tank in Africa. Leon, uh, you've been on Cliff Central a few times. Thank you so much for joining us once again. We really appreciate your time. Um, good morning to you. Good morning. Do I have to say it's a pleasure? It's an honor, whether it's a pleasure. <laughs> we'll find out at the end of the show, right? <laughs> Trust me, we're not bad people. We're just going to ask uh, in- questions that are on our mind. I think they're not supposed to be controversial. Um, yeah, oh, they, are. they are. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> well, they're not supposed to be controversial. They might come across as that. And please take it from where it comes. We are interested parties in this. I've had some tricky situations in understanding myself. Uh, whether capitalism is a good idea. And I've listened to a number of your podcasts, your articles, and you speak about how capitalism is a very broad-based term. You were an extreme Marxist back in the day in your in your younger years. We heard about what changed you, so we don't have to go into that too much. But um, And we will, we will put the links of the other shows that you've been on to give you a little bit of background to who you are. But let's talk about the systems right mm. now. Let's understand, firstly, what the Free Market Foundation stands for. Yes. Firstly, note that we are called the Free Market Foundation, not the Capitalist Foundation. <laughs> uh, and the reason for that is very simple and important to understand. The word capitalism means uh, a lot and nothing. Uh, it was coined, it is said, I've never checked this out and I'm often suspicious of these memes, but nonetheless by Karl Marx to describe the system uh, in which capital was privately owned. Yes. Uh, but that includes a whole range of fascist ideas. For example, it is said that apartheid, that, that uh, Nazi Germany, that uh, Hong Kong, the freest economy on earth with the smallest government on earth. So places with massive governments regulating every aspect of life, regulating all capital, mm-hmm. but having it nominally privately owned, are called capitalism. So the word capitalism in and of itself means nothing. We are the free market foundation, meaning we want the market to be free. And the market is people. 
In other words, we want people to be free. Hmm. So you don't need me around. If somebody says to you, what does Leon Lowe think about something? You don't need to ask me. You can tell them. I will hereby give you the formula by which you can answer any question about what I think about anything. Hmm. And that is you simply say, Leon will ask, did all of the people involved consent? Are they voluntary participants? Hmm. If the answer is yes, I'm for it. And so is the Free Market Foundation, at least in principle, maybe not as purely as I am. Uh, and if anyone is not a consenting party, then I'm against it. Mm -hmm. Now, government itself is the biggest coercer by far. Government takes more money than anyone else. So in other words, it is the biggest organized crime syndicate in the country. And uh, and so I would apply the same principle to government. In other words, what you may not do to me or me to you. I think nobody should be allowed to do to you. Mm. And if they happen to be people called government, this doesn't, in my view, justify doing to mm. you what I can't do to you. So I would require uh, – or so what we stand for in the Free Market Foundation is a voluntary consensual society. It makes no difference to us how big or small people are, whether it's a bank charged with collusion or whether it's a street vendor whose packet of – Peanuts that she's trying to sell under a tree on Abel Road in Berea is stolen from her by the Metro Police. Uh, we are for those rights completely equally. We make no difference between the two because they're big or small, rich or poor, white or black, uh, formal or informal. To us, all that matters is are the people involved doing so by choice. It, would 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 it be unfair for somebody to listen to to what you're saying and to think, well, but that's pie in the sky, given that um, the history of our country, for example, has has put people in situations, social conditions that they did not consent to, hmm. um, and so if we were all of a sudden going to then leave it to the invisible hand to fix that, that somehow. Um, people who have been indoctrinated through prejudices and so on would somehow find a way to act in the best interests of uh, society while acting in their own best interests because um, that supposes, I'm guessing, and please uh, correct me if I'm wrong, a homogenous society where none of these prejudices exist. People simply do what's best for them and everybody is in an equal footing in terms of the ability to engage or transact. Um, but in a country like ours, um, does that not then come off as pie in the sky? Yes. Uh, and obviously, I think people should think it's pie in the sky. They should do it exactly what you're doing, saying, look, explain. That sounds far-fetched. It sounds fantasy. It sounds ridiculous. So, yes, that is exactly what you should ask. Mm. And then you should drill down into practical situations, actual concrete situations. What would you do about this situation or that situation? Speaking in abstractions is mm. usually an excuse for not having a good idea. Right. If the idea can't be applied to literally the little old lady selling boiled millies under a tree in the, in the Tugela Valley mm. uh, or the big banker doing forex transactions, then you've probably got a bad principle. And mm. is it practical? So mm. the answer is there are all sorts of people we don't talk about. And your question is loaded with race. You didn't mention it, but if we can go back to the question to Mandela you read, mm. spell it out. You're saying, mm. what about black and white people? Shouldn't there be some kind of 
legal change because of the history of South Africa. Well, let mm. me just raise a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. The only person to whom I, for example, give money to on a street corner, the only beggars I give money to, and this is me, mm. and I don't mm. mind if listeners think I'm odd, mm. uh, is ugly people. <laughs> now, now from, to my mind, ugly people are the world's most discriminated against people. Mm. No one will employ them. No one wants them as their gardener. No one wants them in their office. And I feel deeply sorry for ugly people. Now, political correctness doesn't allow us to define someone as ugly. Yes. So they can't even be classified the way one can with race. Mm. So here you have probably society's most victimized, discriminated against, destitute people who uh, have self-consciousness problems, who nobody is nice to, people don't hug, people don't are ki- aren't kind to them. And uh, so that's one thing. But what about short people, elderly people, people with disabilities and stupid people? You know, we also mm. – political correctness doesn't allow us to say what about the historical disadvantages of stupid people mm. whose parents were probably stupid. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, the, yes, you're quite right. Sumner is correct. Hard work is not what makes you succeed. If by success we mean money, mm. and strangely enough, free market capitalist people don't regard money as the measure of success, mm-hmm. which is one of the flaws, by the way, in all this inequality nonsense from people like uh, Oxfam and, and, and Piketty, uh, because they assume that the quantity of dollars is the thing that measures human equality. Completely irrelevant. It's uh, lifestyle. It's access to healthcare. It's mm. uh, it's access to social services, infrastructure, education, and of course, just being bright, being yeah. literate, being effective. Yeah. I want to come back to to the question because you were you you so you were explaining that the, you know short people. No one speaks about short people and they stupid people, stupid people, and people. so on. Mm. Um, except one might argue that uh, those people did not have uh, the legal systems that were that were meant to disadvantage them. Um, so how then do we then equate uh, the, the the disadvantaging or painting black people historically with a with a brush of ugliness, you know, too ugly to employ in certain jobs, for example, and too ugly to occupy specific spaces and so on. Um, that was mandated through law, and all yeah. these other instances weren't weren't uh, at least explicitly mandated through law. So, is that not being a little bit, let's say, mischievous around uh, around saying that? Well, but yeah, it's the same thing as this or that or that. Well, it's being legalistic. If you are going to concern yourself with compassion only for the people who were victims of law, then you're not going to concern yourself with the little old lady who slips on the road and breaks her hip. Uh, mm. Because the law didn't say that must happen. So, no, I personally, that's me, mm. don't distinguish between whether it was or wasn't the law that caused a person's disadvantage or need. Uh, I was yesterday afternoon in the uh, psychiatric section of the Helen Joseph Hospital, government hospital, uh, which is in a, in a ghastly, dilapidated condition. And I actually spoke to the superintendents and the managers there whether I could come in and get the patients, the inmates in the psychiatric unit, who are there for mental conditions, who I think are probably perfectly able-bodied men. And what I will be doing is going there and getting these men mainly, maybe some of the women, to renovate the place, put on toilet seats, do a bit of painting, put uh, handles back on the cupboard doors, uh, put locks on the doors so people can lock themselves in, especially the women at night and so on. And now those people are not there because these are people who are really needy. These are people nobody hugs, nobody visits, 
Nobody says nice things to. It makes no difference to me whether or not they are the victims of a bad law. They are people, if you are a decent, normal, compassionate human being, those are the people you care about. Now, if black people are victims of apartheid, then it's not because of apartheid that I care about them. It's because I care about people and I want them to be well off. What has happened since apartheid was abolished is black people have, of course, embraced their liberty the way you have and have raised their living standards spectacularly. And interestingly, all this talk about little has changed and nothing has changed is an extraordinary racist insult to black people. This is to say apartheid did no harm. It's a bizarre statement. And this comes from people who supposedly care about black people and apartheid in the past. I think you as a black person ought to be outraged when somebody says you get rid of the crime against humanity called apartheid and it's not good for you, that Mm. you know better off. Well, that is a hell of – if that is true, then you really need help. Is, is, the, <laughs> is the argument not that I'm, I'm better off but that I'm rel- relatively um, – so I am relatively better off, but I'm relative to white people, um, am I better off? Well, firstly, this is, this is a socialist idea. Mm. So let's understand that you're generalizing about people based on skin color. I find that very awkward but because the, when I go around, mm-hmm. I meet people like you, the two of you, mm. uh, two people sitting in front of me, one white, one black, or so it looks. I'm assuming this is true for you. <laughs> we don't have race classification laws in South Africa. Mm. So I see Rory and Andrew. I sit here thinking, am I meant to feel more sorry for you because you have a black skin than I do for Andrew? Or do I need to know something about Andrew? Maybe Andrew was abused as a child. Maybe he didn't get properly educated. Maybe you did. Maybe you were born into a privileged home. So I would be uh, find it very odd, and I do find it very odd, mm. that what you're asking me to do, and I'm going to challenge you on this, mm is to generalize about you and Andrew because of your skin color. Now, there is no logical way in which I can do that. That is like asking me to generalize about you because of your hair color or your eye color. Except the law was generalized against us because of our black skin color, and and the benefits were generalized across white skin color. Uh, and we're speaking generalized, so there might be exceptions, but but there were certain certainly generalized benefits yes. to being white and generalized benefits to be black, and those continue to uh, create um, imbalances between the fate of black people or white people. Because then I would challenge and say, uh, if if that is not the case, then what we're then assuming is that black people are then supposedly a weaker species, in inverted commas, to to people of a whiter hue, because it seems that uh, the fate Fate of uh, white people in South Africa is 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 much better than the fate of black people. Well, firstly, it's not much better. Black people are catching up and closing the gap very rapidly. So we need in to, we certain need to, respects, but they're not. They're closing the gap, but they're certainly not there in virtually every respect. Actually, the catch up has been quite spectacular. If you look at not some alternative source, mm-hmm. go to the presidency's website, download the twenty-year review done by the government, the Central Statistical Services, on what has happened in South Africa since 1994, and it's an extraordinary story of black accomplishment. Now, 
you're still asking the question which is right and I must answer. Mm. Do we do something about the discrimination of the past or do we simply say, look at what is happening. Black people are performing spectacularly. They've embraced their freedom. They're steaming ahead. They're catching up in every respect, literacy, economically, by every measure with white people. The gap now within the black community between those who have advanced and those who haven't, those who still remain, say, in the Tugela Basin, is now much bigger than the average gap between white and black people. So what has happened is the black community has become divided between those who are succeeding and those who are also are left behind. Fortunately, those who are left behind are increasingly few, and those who are succeeding now in the middle class, six million black people in the middle class, that is more than the entire white population. It was a few hundred thousand in 94. But proportionally? I mean, obviously, there are more black people in terms of population, so there will be more yes, black people yes. nominally. But in terms of proportions, the middle class, uh, is it made up of, you know, as what, a percentage what of all blacks? Yes, as a percentage of all blacks yeah. versus white people as a percentage of all white people and, and white people as a percentage of the broader population. Yes, the, the percentage of white people who are in the middle class and, and colored, what we call colored and Indian or Asian people in the middle class is bigger than it is amongst black people. But the point about it is that black people are catching up and the percentage is growing very rapidly. Now, what we should say is, where and why has that happened? How can we capitalize on that? How can we emulate that? How, how can we look at where is advancement taking place most successfully and rapidly? Let's build on that. Let's, let's put that under our caps and say that's, we've succeeded. Where is it not happening? And that is in the shanty towns and some of the rural areas. And we can say what's missing there? What can we do to bring it about there? Now, one of the things is not some kind of generalized notion that there must be racial discrimination because the people who will benefit from that by and large are the people who are already actually in the middle class and are already doing quite well. They're the ones who cash in. Now, what you can do to be practical about the people who've been left behind, uh, which is, as I say, a, a declining percentage mm -hmm. uh, because of their own merit, not because of some benevolence that the government has dished out to them, uh, what you can do about them is start by, for example, turning all the property they occupy into full free old title for free at zero cost. Now, we're talking here about up to 10 million property owners who the government at no cost, without any controversy, without any redistribution, the government owns the land. Mm. It's the apartheid loot. It's the government that of this government got the loot of the apartheid regime in which it held black landless people. 22 years later... The post-apartheid government still runs black people under the same system. Isn't that completely despicable? No. So, so you want to blame apartheid for that? Well, we should have blamed apartheid for what this government inherited. But we have to blame it for the fact that every black South African with a piece of land is not an owner. Now that is, I find, I find that that opens up another can of worms. But my no, 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 my partner on, in crime, I'm quiet. No, no, no. I want to be quiet. No, I want, I want us to have this conversation. I'm just my partner in crime. This is odd, Leon. I don't know what it is, but my partner in crime has been quiet for the whole thirty minutes, has not said a thing, and he's the one that's conflicted. So I actually want to find out what's going on. Where see, are you? I, Where's your I'm mind? I'm nowhere at? here because you see the the problem is Leon's a, a very bright guy. Um, you're a very bright guy. This is a very academic discussion. I want to get down to some semantics here. Leon, what do you believe about equality? 
Okay, let's understand what the word means. And it means lots of different things. Mm-hmm. You can be equal height. You can be equal weight. Can, equal I, give you, can I give you my more yes, specific definition? Yes, I want the definition you have in mind, then we can, then we can address it. Okay, so what do you believe about equal rights? Oh, equal rights. That's very simple. Our constitution guarantees it. We have equal rights. That's what we should have. Everyone should have the same rights in law. And before we move on to other definitions of inequality, that's probably the only one that actually has any coherent meaning. Okay, so let's, let's uh, leave it there because I think we agree on that. So equal rights for all. Do you believe that everyone in South Africa is equal at the moment under our constitution? Uh, has equal rights under yeah. our constitution. Yeah. Yes. Uh, or it's being not, enabled in those rights. It's not perfect, but I'm not going to argue about the nuances. I think we have equal – for practical purposes, we have a constitution that guarantees everyone equal rights, yes. And that, that is all the law should do. So it's not perfect. It's not perfect. And I'm happily, you know, I was involved in the constitutional process and some of the provisions in it, I think I played a material part in getting you there. You did the for, property rights, I remember. For which that. I'm very proud. And also the administrative justice clause was one that I was involved in mm. arguing for and others. So yes, I'm, uh, those are good. Uh, the imperfections, no, no, nobody regards it as, as perfect. Nobody mm. got precisely what they wanted, not Mandela. Of course not. not. So everyone has a constitution that is pretty darn good, mm. uh, but short of their conception of perfection, including mine. So let's talk a little bit, of, you know, because I'm interested. I've, I've heard you twice on Cliff Central. I've read a few of your articles. You never seem to mention the Nordic countries, mm. which I'm fascinated by because, you know, arguably the happiest indexes in the world come from the Nordic countries, the wealthiest come from the Nordic countries. They wouldn't call themselves socialist, so I acknowledge that, but they do call themselves uh, social democracy. Uh, so they have a high welfare state, but it's in a privatized uh, economy. Yeah. Basically, what that means is you can own your own stuff, but you pay huge amounts of taxes. What are your thoughts on that? Yes, I'll discuss the one I know most, yep. which is Sweden. And, uh, and, and I would encourage anyone who wants to read further, including you, to get hold of the writings of the Swedish economist Johan Norberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, who has described for non-Swedes the Swedish system uh, better than anyone else I'm aware of. Right. And essentially, Sweden and the Nordic countries need to be understood as follows. But let's do Sweden specifically because there are differences in Norway, Denmark, and Finland, which we might touch on. And try keep it unacademic for me because I'm, it, I'm not, I'm not I'll, there with you. I'll keep it, I'll keep it as unacademic <laughs> Thank as you. I can. I appreciate that. In Sweden, a bigger percentage of capital formation, that's property, wealth, mm-hmm. a bigger percentage of wealth, I believe this is true. I haven't recently checked the figure. It was once true. Is owned privately than any other, any other European country. In other words, in, in terms of capitalism as defined by Karl Marx, private ownership of the means of production and distribution, Sweden has been and is the most capitalistic country in Europe. Mm-hmm. And you're quite right. What it has is a lot of welfare. So what they did is they let capitalism be the goose that laid the golden egg, the wealth, the money, and then they taxed it and they cared for the needy people. Because of capitalism, there aren't many needy people. That's important to understand. So basically you have rapid and high-rising living standards. You have uh, near or virtually permanent full employment. Uh, You have uh, cutting-edge technology. And so what Sweden has had is very few people who need welfare and lots of wealth with which to provide it. And this is why it got the name of being a, a welfare state. 
but in fact, what it had is, for let me give you a simple example, monopoly. Uh, it went the opposite way of other countries in the world who want to break down companies that succeed. Sweden actually wanted to boost them. It wanted, in a small country with something like 8 million people, it wanted as many big internationally competitive companies as possible. So the last thing it did was interfere with companies that succeed. Now, our competition law is another way of saying smash people who succeed. Don't allow success. If somebody becomes successful because consumers vote with their hands, bearing in mind everyone who is successful under a free market is successful because people like you and me shop from them. We buy their stuff, right? their software, their shoes, their clothes, their food. That's what makes ShopRite and Whitey Besson and Christo Viso wealthy is that ordinary people – choose to buy from them. So they are supplying millions of people with the products and services people want. They should be heroes. They should have monuments built to them. But instead they're attacked as if they've somehow done something wrong. So you just just to Now Sweden, just quickly. Yeah. Sweden said people like that are their heroes. They've, they've allowed companies to completely the grow and dominate. The are their they've heroes. encouraged them. They've right. encouraged them. They wanted they, they said to themselves something very simple. The size of a company within Sweden is irrelevant. They want companies that are competitive internationally, globally. Mm -hmm. They couldn't really care about what happens domestically. They want to be global competitors. And that's what we in South Africa should do if we want to be mature. Okay. Um, interesting thoughts there because, look, we can't say that the Nordic countries are perfect. Um, we do hold them up in high esteem. And they deserve it. And they deserve it, potentially, with 4.5% unemployment rates in Sweden, mm. compared to the 8% in white South Africa, mm. and the growing 27% in black South Africa. And amongst 18 to 35-year-olds, it's 54% mm. in South Africa, the, you know, the, uh, and, or what, what would you call that? The unofficial statistic. Mm. 17 million people. Well, extended definition. Yes. Mm. 17 million people are on social grants, mm. right? In your perfect world, because you're an activist organization, mm. what would you do with those people? Well, firstly, let me just immediately say that social welfare is the last thing on my list that I'm concerned about. In other words, if what the government wants to do is look after needy people, I'm not going to stop it. You would just... Uh, there are other much, much more important issues. So you would let those 17 million people continue on their grant? Is that what you're I, saying? I would do that. But what I would do is I would deregulate and privatize and liberalize the rest of e the economy very rapidly, very quickly, as should happen in today's budget. Because you're worried about corruption? And no, because I want prosperity and growth and jobs and welfare. I want people to be rich and prosperous. Just to give you a simple example, if in a free economy you tend to grow at something like 7, 8, 9%. Maybe 10%. If you grow at 10%, which is a nice round number. No, let's say you grow at 7%, which is easy to achieve. Mm -hmm. Then wealth doubles every 10 years. That's uh, compound interest at 7%. Mm -hmm. If we had done that in 94, our economy would have doubled in the first 10 then doubled again in the second 10. In other words, we'd have been four times wealthier. And then flattened in 2008 when the financial crisis, because of good capitalism, 
completely no, ended no, no, the world. No. Well, firstly, no, it didn't. Firstly, okay. this is a, this is one of the great myths of the world: uh-huh. the so-called financial crisis. Firstly, there was no such thing as the financial crisis. There were two. There was an American subprime crisis, which was a crisis, a banking crisis amongst banks that held subprime derivatives. Mm-hmm. That's all. Most African countries throughout that period had accelerating growth rates. We had a declining growth rate, nothing to do with the finance, so-called financial crisis, with a banking crisis. The European crisis is a sovereign debt crisis. It is because the uh, Greek and other governments are insolvent. They're overspent. It's a government problem. It's not a market problem, not a capitalist problem, not a free market problem. Even the American so-called subprime crisis was a government problem. The American government agencies called government-sponsored enterprises, GSEs, that's what's in their name. We have PTY for Proprietary Limited or whatever. Uh, Government-sponsored enterprises were set up by the American government to promote subprime derivatives. That was their job. They were proud of the extent to which they achieved it. So it was an entirely inflated – and they sold these subprime derivatives to banks internationally. And because they were government-backed, they were given AAA ratings by the rating agencies. And the rating agencies believed correctly that the American government would back these subprime derivatives, which is what they did. And that's one of the reasons they are now so deep in debt. So let's understand we never were affected by it. That is a myth. We were marginally affected. Marginally, yes, 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 marginally. Most of the world's countries continued growing at 1% or maybe 2% slower growth rate for a year or two. Only something like about 10 of the world's 200 countries actually had any, even a single month of contraction. So this is a completely exaggerated story. So let me let me give you another thought on this because again I'm feeling we're getting a bit academic and I know Andrew oh, I'm Kenny sorry about that. No no <laughs> it's it's my fault as well. Uh, Andrew Kenny is on the line from Cape Town. He'll also want to get involved. He's an independent energy consultant and writer. So we'll bring him in a, in, the, in a moment. The reason that we were marginally unaffected by the the 2008 crisis wasn't because, well, we don't play in the global market. A lot of people say the reason that we were marginally affected and that we were safeguarded was because we have good, strict control. FICA, for example, right? We don't have the subprime issues because supposedly FICA... Um, supported the fact that you only lend to those that can afford it. Now, I know you've got some personal remarks about that, that it keeps the rich getting richer and so on and so on. And I've heard those. But surely you can concede to the fact that FICA in this sense was a good thing because it helped us. It supported us by saying we weren't as affected. Okay, I don't want to be academic. Let me try and make this non-academic. Yep. Firstly, it had nothing to do with FICA. FICA is a copy of America's RICO laws, and mm-hmm. America had a stricter version of FICA than we had. And FICA, for what it's worth, nothing to do with the financial crisis at all, either for or against, has been a complete failure. Nobody has ever been successfully prosecuted under FICA. So enormous cost and waste and bureaucracy and is invested in FICA, and it has no detectable benefits. So it should actually be scrapped. The law I think you're referring to is the National Credit law, the National Sorry, Credit the National Act. Credit Act. Yes, correct. the National Credit Act. Which speaker uh, sits under, is that correct? No, no, correct they're two me? completely separate ones. It's run by a separate, completely separate oh, regulatory right. agency, okay. the, 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 the credit regulator. And the Act had not been 
past. It mm-hmm. didn't exist at the time that the financial crisis was being built up. It was implemented, uh, at, I think, even put into effect about the same year. So it could not possibly have had any effect at all. And when some minister of finance, thanks to the National Credit Act, we didn't have the financial crisis, they actually know nothing about their own history. The act wasn't enforced, it wasn't implemented, and it had no effect whatsoever on the financial crisis. The reason we were not affected by it is because we had not invested in subprime derivatives. Uh, First National Mm. Bank had, but fortunately for them, no particularly clever planning. They happened to have sold their subprime derivatives about six months before the market tanked. Uh, But we did have one company, Old Mutual, was heavily invested, and it was invested overseas, and it lost all its money. Lost, but essentially its overseas operation was wiped out. Mm. Fortunately, South Africa was ring-fenced, so we were affected a little bit, but people need to understand it was very little, and the reason we have we went down and stayed down and continue to stagnate. Obviously, it has nothing to do with the financial crisis, but with our own bad economic policies. Okay. Uh, let, let's try and get uh, another voice in here, a voice that will probably be very supportive of you as well. Andrew Kenny, we've been struggling to get you on the line, but we're grateful we finally got you on. Um, Andrew, you argue that uh, capitalism destroys race and class barriers um, and and it, and you know so supposedly then if we just let capitalism do its thing um, those things would be gone we've we've had quite an argument uh, uh, with with Leon about it because we worried about uh, what happens to the fact that we come from a historical legacy that is based on race and class um, and whether that can be corrected simply by allowing the systems of the market to do what they need to do um, do, is this is this your view as well? Yes, it most certainly is. By the way, I've come on very late, and perhaps you could, put, if you tried me on my landline, it might might be better reception than myself. But I hope you can hear me now. We, we, we can, can hear yeah. you. We were struggling to get you on the landline. Let's let's okay, let's keep good. to the cell. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. The reception for you. That that is exactly my position. You've spelled out now. And if you look at our history, you can see why that um, um, apartheid was a a socialist system, government control. Um, There was no free movement. What we want in capitalism is free trade, free movement of labor, free choice, a free market. Uh, Apartheid deliberately stopped all of that. It was like socialist control. You had an internal passport, such as you had in the Soviet Union, most communist states. The pass laws, that's pure socialism, like communism. Um, you had job reservation to certain people because of their status, namely the color of their skin. Only they were allowed to have uh, well-paying jobs on the mines, for, for example. This is going back to the feudal system, which is also government controlled by a ruling class. So you, you, you hit the nail on the head. The answer to that is to remove all of those government restrictions and allow people to, to, to trade freely amongst themselves, uh, free trade in, in, in labor, that you, you can sell your labor to whoever you like if you're, if you're willing to accept their terms, that's all. And that we haven't yet gotten in, in, in South Africa. It's much better than under apartheid, but a lot of laws still remain to stop poor people, which, which means black people joining the formal, but joining the formal economy. So, so laws such as affirmative action and BEE. What's your stand on those? 
well, they're like they're like job reserv- they're like job reservation. They're the same thing. Job reservation reserves certain uh, occupations for white people, and was a was a and it was a disaster for everybody because it, it wrecked the, the economy. And B, um, racial affirmative action, racial. Is, is is bad for, for for similar reasons. People then feel that they they're entitled to jobs, and and it's, it, it humiliates them, and and it it, it affects economic um, economic efficiency. Another another thing that's stopping poor black people from joining the economy is is our labour laws. A minimum the minimum wages now which is coming in. This is rich people, in other words, rich politicians, businessmen, rich trade unions, coming up together to pass laws that stop poor people, which means black people, um, entering the formal economy. So if you have one poor man, Mr. Susulu, say, and he wants to start up a factory, and he offers a job to Mr. Susulu, say, um, at 3,400 rand a, a month, which is... is, is, is Wonderful wages for 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 the employer. The employer is not allowed to accept. The employer is not allowed to accept that. The rich people will not allow him to accept that wage of three thousand four hundred under under the, the minimum wage laws. I think I, I, I you know I continue to struggle between Andrew and Leon. I continue to struggle with the idea that. Um, given the history that we have, that this will automatically fix itself. That uh, somehow, because we do come from a, a, a history where the economy was propped up by exploited black labour, for example, um, and so you have that you have that happening both at a systemic level but at a mindset level, and that without some le- without some regulatory legal intervention, that's somehow going to fix itself. We do have a power imbalance here. And and I think, Andrew, you speak about humans are trading apes. If you just allow us to trade, we will fix this. But is that really, guys, like really, really practically, is that a thing? Is no, it? no, Rory, sorry, I have to interrupt. Yes. It, is not that, it is not that the law doesn't help the people. It's the law stops the people. The law is right now stopping black people going into business. That's what the financial <laughs> services laws, the licensing laws, the minimum standard laws, the zoning laws, it is stopping black people getting jobs. So the problem is not a lack of affirmative action or a lack of BE. The mm-hmm. problem is the perpetuation of laws that oppress black people, that stop black people getting ahead. Now, the quick fix is very simple, mm. is if you allow the market to operate tomorrow, people will start getting incomes consistent with their productive ability. And tomorrow, people will start going into business who are entrepreneurial. Yeah. It will happen immediately. You don't need long periods that's, of time. Let me, that's, that's, let me, that's rubbish. Let me challenge you. Let, let me challenge it you on that. Won't let, let, let me challenge you on that. So, uh, the ability to go into business uh, relies a lot on your capital, what capital you have at your disposal, right? Um, so, while this term white monopoly capital is very nebulous and and somehow mischievous, w- would you not say that there is a case to be made for white monopoly over capital. In other words, uh, while most of the capital, let's say the PIC's capital, sits 
belongs to black civil servants, the management of that capital still sits to a large degree um, in in the hands of white people who invest in white companies um, where the profits then return to white people. I'm surprised um, by you, Rory, that you want to take away the right of black people to choose white people to manage their assets. Oh, but do they choose? Is that really? Is that really? <laughs> of course come they on, do. guys. Of come course on. they do. Come on, Andrew. Do you believe that this is white people, black people made the choice to have their money managed majority? I mean, four points. So uh, in the South African, the total size of South African savings and investments is 8.9 trillion rand. And of that, only 4.6% is managed by black people. Well, now, that's not quite now, correct. Now, now anyway. you're saying this is according to the B Economics uh, uh, survey that gets done annually. Um, that's wrong. By, 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 by 27 for um, investments. Um, but... The, the the question is, these people, uh, at least the the ninety six percent of 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 capital that is managed uh, by white people, is that purely by fact that uh, white people are better asset managers, or is it because laws, historical laws, and so on, have put them in a position where they can have the type of capital that allows them to set up the systems to manage? I mean. It, uh, my, 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 uh, while I agree with aspects of your argument, I struggle with the ahistorical nature of it that, that assumes that simply by removing all regulation, this thing will fix itself. I, I'm struggling. Help me. Well, I, yes, okay, fine. Well, look at our history. As I say in the past, we, we had apartheid, which was a socialist system that, that was heavily privileged in favor of whites and against blacks. It was socialism. It had laws making that happen. So the answer is, is to remove all of those laws. And apartheid actually was broken down to, to a large extent by, by capitalism sort of forcing itself against the laws. That's why it crumbled in the end. It led to economic stagnation and decay because of those laws, because people couldn't employ um, 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 black people to do jobs. It was more efficient for them to do so. The moment you allowed them to do the job, this whole thing started crumbling away. The past laws, for example, under socialism, which apartheid was, people, black people are only allowed to live in certain areas. This is economically inefficient. What you want them is to move to wherever they wanted to and to sell their labor to wherever they wanted to. And eventually they began doing so anyway, despite the laws. And then the laws crumbled away and, and eventually ended. So I, I say again, free trade amongst people, free choice is the only answer for breaking down the, 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 these racial imbalances of the past, which most certainly were caused by governments, mm. not by capitalism. Leon, you 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 disagree with me emphatically. Uh, no, not to disagree with you. I mm. disagree with these memes that float around, these myths about who owns what. Mm. Now, the point about it is that anybody who thinks about it for a nanosecond and uses more than one synapse. <clears throat> should immediately realize that a statement like 96% of capital is owned by whites. Not owned, managed. Or managed, mm. yeah. Has to be nonsense. Mm -hmm. Because it firstly, what is the definition of capital there? Firstly, understand that. But I said, uh, I said, more, I said investments. Than, I said investments and savings. Okay. Not well, capital. Well, the savings mm -hmm. are the savings of black South Africans. Largely or mm. partly or increasingly, let's put it that way. Mm, mm. Uh, and those savings, uh, you certainly would want those people 
who own pension funds and medical schemes and insurance policies. And you mentioned the PIC, the biggest single investor in South Africa, the biggest owner of capital on the stock exchange. And now if you say managed by white people, I presume, not you, this isn't you I'm talking about, the people who make that statement mm-hmm. are people who are referring to the stock exchange. The stock exchange, I don't know the exact number, it's something like 15% of capital formation in the country. So it's not the country or the capital or the investment or whatever. Now, if they say that 15%, that 96% of South African owned as opposed to foreign owned and not government owned, government listed companies, Mm. IDC, Eskom and others. So if you remove from the stock exchange everything other than what is held by private South Africans in their own name, which is a small percentage of the stock exchange, which is a small percentage of the country's economy, Mm. then you might reach a conclusion that 96% of the managers of that small amount of the capital in the country are white. Mm. Uh, But, uh, you know, this is is playing a sort of racial game rather than actually being concerned about the real world. Mm -hmm. The real world is who owns the wealth, Who benefits from the wealth? And let me give you a simple example. Are universities wealth? Are schools wealth? Are hospitals wealth? The fact that my daughter right now is in a government hospital at effectively no cost to me right now, Mm. does that mean my daughter and I are wealthy? The answer must be yes. We have access to immense quantities of capital. Who manages that capital? The answer to that is a largely black South African government. The management of the hospital are all black. The doctors are black. Come on, Leon, you 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 certainly. So I I I, I understand the. Do you attach no value? No, hold on, hold on, just Rory. I I attach value to it, but let's talk about entrepreneur uh, being an entrepreneur. But hold on, I just want to point out to Rory. He thinks he's a socialist. He's in favor of Andrew. Andrew, sorry. Mm, mm. He's in favor of the government doing. When did I say I was a socialist? No, no. But anyway, Mm, socialists, any Mm -hmm. socialist, Mm -hmm. are in favor of governments doing stuff. When governments do things, they attach no value to it. They don't call it wealth. So when the government builds roads and hospitals and schools but, and universities… But would that, not be, that, that would be equalized across the racial divide, no? Because we all have access to those services. So, so, the, same, so the same access that your daughter has to the public hospital is the same access that a black person has. Yes. And then we look at the privately held uh, assets and see where, where the differences are, right? And, and we look at it and, for example, entrepreneurship. So if I want to start a, a business… Uh, um, in this free market context, mm-hmm. I, I need capital. Right? No, you I mean, don't, that, actually. No, you don't. No. I've started a few businesses. What do you mean I don't need capital? Maybe you know something I don't. Do you, you, the, the Ruperts, do you know what they started with? You, Anton what? Rupert. Rolling cigarettes. The, rolling cigarettes yes. personally in, in the downtown Johannesburg. But that is, but, but that is, they were, they and were the building great, up a capital base, weren't they? So that they Bill could Gates, go into, so that they Sears could go and into. No, but all the of great, that. The great billionaires of the world started as informal no, traders. No, that is, that That's is mischievous. Untrue. That's untrue. Completely <laughs> that, that untrue. That is mischievous. You know it. Uh, but I think, so, so the issue that I, I have here is that if we allow the market to do as the market pleases, uh, um, you will no, find people. markets don't do things people no, do. No, but you said the market is the people, right? That's what no, you I said. I want I'm people using, to do what they yes, please, and no. that is the market. But mm. allow them to do as they please, mm. and somehow we're going to find capital going to black entrepreneurs to do what they need to do. But we we know that's not true, 
right? We, we know that if we speak practically as you've suggested we do and not keep it in the abstract, that is just simply not true. Rory, uh, access when to finance, did you access look at to finance. the percentage of companies being registered in South Africa, the percentage of properties being registered? But again. Black South Africans have risen from virtually zero to over half of all new businesses being Companies being, being registered versus, versus the, the prosperity of those companies are two very different things. You know that. So, so for example, we can, we can even the argue. percentage of tax we, being paid. But even so, so we, we can even argue that uh, the, 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 the JSE, there's this parity now in terms of ownership between black and white. But if you do it on a per capita basis, uh, white people still own about nine, nine times more of their JSE on a per capita basis than black people. You know, right? I'm an Afrikaner so, and so. Jews own a lot more than I do. Now, That's should true. I should I yeah. call for laws against Jews? Were there laws against you that, that prevented you in, no, in relation to the Jews? No, there were laws in Jews? favor of my tribe, the Afrikaners. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, by the way, when you say I'm an Afrikaner and Afrikaans, you're saying I'm an African. Akasa Afrikaner <laughs> means I'm an African. Yeah, okay. So now that aside, yeah, but hold on yeah. a sec. The law privileged my group, mm. victimized the Jews, and Jewish people are much wealthier now, a few fold wealthier than my tribe, Afrikaners. But that, that, that is, that is missing the point. We're talking about the relative privilege between black and, but and nothing so, should so be what done happens between the two of you is another thing. We're talking about this, this relative when privilege had, between black and white. When we've had freedom, as Andrew Kenny, who by the way is being kept out over here because he's not in the studio making faces at us. Shame. So, anyway, sorry, Andrew. Uh, we'll get him back. But the point is when the economy has been free mm. for not very long, Everyone will have found there what you might call a natural level, and that'll be mm. Protestants and Indians and Muslims and uh, Shintos and Protestant and 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 um, Jews and so on. Mm. So every culture, every group, is going to have a different average outcome. Every race is going to have a different average outcome, regardless of how free and equal everyone is. Based on is. what? Based on culture, based on history, based on values, based on religious beliefs. If, for example, you're a Muslim and you don't believe in interest, then the chances are you're going to have less viable financial markets than, than Hindus who do. So, so you. you're going to have a different economic consequence for Hindus and Muslims because of their religious and cultural beliefs. Let, let's get Andrew to say one last shot. I think we're going to have to do a part two because poor Andrew, we struggle to get you on the line. And, and let's have a proper Barney with you as well, Andrew. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but, but, but Andrew, Andrew, help us out here. Help us out. Why then do people continue to pick on capitalism if it's this amazing thing? What, where is it that you think uh, people are getting it wrong? Well, in that, in, in that, ten that, seconds, Andrew. Uh, okay, it's <laughs> snobbery. There's, there's lots of people, snobbish people who don't like business and don't like trade. They think it's vulgar. They think making money by business is vulgar. They look down their noses at that, and they've done so down the ages. So down the ages, free trade and business and traders have been have been victimised and 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 looked down upon. That's mm. why something deep in 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 human nature amongst certain people, especially amongst people who go to universities.
Yeah, well, uh, fantastic. That was that's the short part uh, one. Hey, my no, this is part one. Andrew, we here. need we need to get you on again. Let the trading apes trade is what Andrew would probably say. Uh, Leon, thank you so exactly. much for joining us as well. Um, that was quite a conversation. I think it deserves it deserves uh, going deeper into it. Uh, Andrew, how are you feeling? You were throwing your toys out the cot now. Now, what, what's going on? Well, I just need to add a new term that's been thrown at me. I'm a socialist now, which is excellent. I like are. that. You are. No, you're, I don't think I am. I think capitalist. I think socialism is a problem. I think that capitalists justify a whole bunch of stuff through the system, which is a super huge worry for me. And I think that you know, like, what's interesting is that um, Leon over here wants to be seen as humans. He's an anarchist. He wants humans to be seen as individuals. He wants more individual power. And I think we forget about the human nature because we then think of the world as ahistorical, which is a problem. So, I think. Definitely part two because I've got a few facts wrong here. National Credit Act versus FICA. Apologies about that. Apparently, I'm misinformed. That's what Twitter's saying. Um, so, Leon, I think I thank you for your time. We really appreciate it, and we definitely want more of you because I think this is the idea. We have to learn as South Africans how to dialogue. Absolutely. It's not about my position versus yours. I hope that you can learn something from us, and I hope that we've learned something from you. And I think a part two is absolutely necessary. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Ah, it, it has been a pleasure. Ah, there we go. <laughs> If you missed any of it, check out the podcast, cliffcentral.com forward slash frankly speaking. We'll also put the other podcasts there uh, so you can check out what Leon has said on other shows. And we will see you again next week. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao.